Are you just watching episode 45, After Earth? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. And I'm Tim Martin. And this is going to be an interesting discussion because it's kind of a, we're just kind of tying into what we did in the last episode of Pursuit of Happiness. I really like this idea that you, uh, when you pitched it, of uh, tying together the two podcasts with the Will Smith movies. Mm-hmm. Both the Will and Jaden Smith movies. Oh, yes. Yes. It, it's important <laughs> that Jaden's there. <laughs> Very important. Now, this, is, this movie is actually written, I think the story is written by Will Smith. So, it's his story. Yeah. It's, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was doing research for the podcast, I came across a lot of commentary on where the source material for the story came from. Uh, none of it seemed like it was viable, but uh, a lot of it was very accusatory. But uh, as a story, overall, I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the story was actually better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Well, we can go right into, uh, but, well, before we talk too long, I'm going to apologize to our listening audience because I've had a cold for the last week and we've had to delay recording this episode because I lost my voice last weekend and we are recording this on Valentine's Day 2015. Happy Valentine's so, Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And uh, it's, it's um, windy and cold in Cincinnati. What about you? It's not... Uh... Not cold, but it is sort of windy here. Or no, wait, the other way around. <laughs> Not very windy, but sort of cold? Yes. <laughs> well, of course, our listeners will probably be listening to this who knows when, but we want to thank everybody for nominating our podcast, um, or hopefully voting on nominating our podcast for the <laughs> podcast awards. Um, when you listen to this, I urge you to be paying attention to our feed because if we get the nomination we will be asking you to be voting for us and so do check back um in the next week or two if you're listening to this when it hits the feed amen yeah um once th once that opportunity comes up we'll want we'll ask be asking you to vote for us daily okay back to after earth back to after earth Back to After Earth. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, well, what did you like about this movie? Uh, well, it when I started watching it, it was uh, in light of Pursuit of Happiness. I'd actually watched mm -hmm. After Earth uh, about a week or a week and a half after we had done the Pursuit of Haf Happiness uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sort of had that lens on it, uh, particularly the parenting lens. And I look forward to that discussion here as well. Yes, but uh, I am a hardcore science and sci-fi geek, as uh, <laughs> many people who know me know, and um, I think that the uh, not only did this movie do a, a a good job with addressing some of the the timeless issues of communication, trust, and um, idolatry of the father-son relationship. But uh, the world builders did a pretty good, a pretty good job as far as the visuals and the uh, the presentation of this uh, future abandoned, far future abandoned alien Earth. <laughs> yeah, um, there was that was sort of what I liked about it, but it, to me, it was more of the performances that Will and Jaden turned in, and. 
I I kind of just really like the interplay between father and son and um, the fact that it was Jaden, you know, coming of age and that whole exploration of what it means to live apart from your father, <laughs> to, to do your own thing, kind of. And that that's kind of what I said earlier is I think the, re- the story kind of outshone the movie in some ways. Because um, actually what I didn't like about the movie was that the colony and the ship and all of that felt really flimsy. <laughs> I don't know whether that was your impression or not, but like the ship did not feel like a real spaceship. Flimsy it felt like... is a very good word for that. I, it's, I would not, <laughs> I, I didn't think of that, but uh, that actually ties back to one of the points that I had, which was how did Tr- Cypher, it, there's a scene where Cypher walks up to the ship and he puts his hand on the wall and he gets this really concerned look on his face and then he goes up and talks to the pilot and tells the pilot something that all this millions of dollars of instrumentation doesn't detect and i'm like wait <laughs> well, a minute notice you could detect that his... for the wall <laughs> well you notice he did take off his ring i was i was paying attention to that scene after i saw your note because uh, huh. yeah he took off his ring and held it against the thing and the vibration caused the ring to tap on the wall and that was how he found the vibration so um after you had made, I saw your comments because Tim watched the movie before I did and did his notes because I was sick. Actually, no, it's because I couldn't get my hands on the movie. <laughs> and uh, when I watched it, I already read his through his notes, so I cheated. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I noticed that that I, I really paid attention to when he did that. He just didn't walk up to the wall and feel that he he took his I his ring off. That. Yeah, yeah, he was he used a very old tech way of discovering the vibration but huh it was very interesting uh yeah that's the 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 ship felt flimsy they did kind of give him a bit of a superhuman feel um none of the technology looked very human to me not like the way we would create technology but one thing i did like i have to go back and say this um since we're not talking about what we liked anymore but i love the flexible tablets did you catch that where they would just roll them up and stick them in their pocket? Yeah, it's it, that's actually a technology that uh, they're working on. It, yeah. yeah, it's seeing a lot, a lot more presentation at places like the Consumer Electronics Show, and I can't mm-hmm. wait for it to come out. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would take up so much less room in my purse if I could, you know, fold my tablet. Up Imagine carrying pull. around a drumstick and just having a tab that you could pull out, and it's a, suddenly a twenty-four inch screen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but other than that, I felt like, especially in the, in the cockpit and some of that other stuff, it just didn't look very human to me. Yeah. And then, and then we both noticed the big continuity, continuity error in the, in the movie, um, where the cutlass, uh, just vanishes from one scene to the next. Yeah. You'd think he'd keep that weapon that is his only defense against the native population close at hand. Yeah. Yeah. It just vanishes. I, I went online and kind of typed in um weapon vanishes in the middle of the movie kind of thing because i was curious to see whether anybody else had noticed that and it is one of the major discrepancies that people talk about when they talk about the movie and i can't help but wonder whether there was a scene there that they cut out that like explained how he lost the cutlass and they ended up cutting it out for length or something and it's his it's his father's cutlass too so you would have thought it would have played a much more major story role role. (laughs) yeah um, one of the other things I didn't like was 
the extremes on the planet. They had like this bitter cold that would come in at night and kill all the plants. And well, actually, it didn't kill all the plants, which is what I thought was kind of weird because frost kills plants. And also, you can't have a planet that rotates that kind of extreme on a night-to-day basis if it has an atmosphere and is on its axis. So, I mean, it, the planet would have to be teetering on its axis and have no atmosphere for those kind of extremes, kind of like a moon. Yeah. And so I don't see how that is even realistic. It kind of bugged me. <laughs> it's I didn't, uh, I didn't have a way of putting that. Uh, I didn't know how to put that into thought uh, until I saw your comment in our notes and uh, <laughs> you know I think of the the cold snaps at, down in Florida every once in a while we would get where we'd be you know sub-freezing overnight and everybody would go out and wrap all their bushes up and and everything like that but there wasn't a, a, a lack of green in that uh, in that rainforest at all <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was like they showed all of the little leaves folding up. This is a very evolutionary movie. They're trying to show the fact that somehow evolution protects the plants from the freeze. But that doesn't work because the first bitter freeze would kill all the plants. Yeah. It's not like they're going to... Nothing to pass on. There's nothing to pass <laughs> on. So um, there's just no way for that to have worked evolutionary-wise, even if you believe in evolution, which yeah. I personally don't. So Yeah, I think um, that... It, I think the the writer in this case Will Smith I think he was paying a lot more attention to what he wanted to say and he sort of bent reality to uh, to fit the delivery mechanism he wanted and right. it just it's really just a step beyond suspending your disbelief um, it didn't bother <laughs> this was me more during sci the movie. fantasy <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it didn't bother me during the movie it only bothered me after the movie <laughs> it's like don't think about it too hard it hurts yes. <laughs> Anything else that bothered you about the movie? Yeah, there were a couple things. Um, there's there's this scene where uh, where Katai has to swim, and all the scenes at the opening of the movie on Nova Prime they all show that it's a desert planet. There's no standing water anywhere. Actually, oh, there, no, was. there was. There was. They were running by a pond, weren't they? At the very opening. Yeah, they were running by a pond, and they showed the very first scene. They showed like this big waterway with these plant of uh, ships going over, and all of the alien vessels yeah. were dropping the little things in water. And yeah, there was lots of water on okay. that planet. Yeah. So uh, okay, I take that one back. Sorry, Will. <laughs> Sorry, Jaden. Um, the uh, there was this place where the uh, the ship jumps to Earth as part of a mistake mm -hmm. uh, when it uh, when it's you know uh, badly damaged and they they make the statement that the uh, the ship jumped to earth as part of a default location that would only make sense if the ship had been built before earth was quarantined um, or the system i don't know i i agree that i mean I could see that if you're in trouble, you jump to the nearest inhabitable planet. And if that's in your system as being an inhabitable planet, then and it's the nearest planet, you jump there. Yeah, it comes back to that uh, science, uh, what they call in writing hand wavium. <laughs> um, it just happens to be that close to their exit point on the slipstream that they're traveling faster than light through or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Katai's accent in the beginning of the movie bugged me. Uh, he seemed to lose it as the movie went on. <laughs> Which is weird because they usually film movies out of order. So. Exactly. 
Um, that might have been a creative choice, though. I was thinking about that mm-hmm. earlier today. And, uh, you know, back in back in his home, he was very much the child. Uh, right. But by the end of the movie, he was a young man. No question he was about also, it. And he was also influenced by different people when he was at home. He was influenced by the school he went to, and he was trying to fit a role there. And then once he started the journey with his dad, he, he kind of left that behind. Yeah. So, so it might have been creative, but uh, it, it mm-hmm. was an unplaceable accent for me. <laughs> yeah, it was a little strange at the beginning, I have to admit. Uh, that was pretty mu- else? Uh, that was pretty much it for me. Okay. As far as the, the stuff I didn't like, but you know, I I, I want to stress even though we spent like five times the time talking <laughs> about the stuff we didn't like, I still liked the movie. Yeah, I, yeah, we we wouldn't be talking about it if we didn't <laughs> like it. I've long since held that if I really really hate the movie, it's not worth even doing a review. Exactly. About, we so. don't want to encourage anyone else to watch it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. Now, the music for this movie was by James Newton Howard, and I will play a little bit of that here in a minute, but I wanted to mention that the soundtrack overall is really just uh, more of mood noise than music. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I started listening to it apart from the movie, because usually a good soundtrack melds so seamlessly with a movie that you don't really notice it when you're watching the movie, because it just creates tension and... Uh, mood and just transition basically and this move this soundtrack definitely does that because you don't want to listen to it by itself there's no very Ah. little musicality to it (laughs) it doesn't really feed the movie it doesn't help color the movie though yeah i i would i would say i've heard better soundtracks but it works so we'll listen to it for a, a little bit here Before we go into our main theme discussion, I want to remind everybody to check out the review for the family friendliness of this movie at PluggedIn.com. They will give you more like the whole uh, aspect of language and sex and all that kind of stuff, uh, content and whether you should take kids to see it. We don't typically spend too much time on that. So, hmm. um, Though, to be honest, there really wasn't much language or violence or sex in this movie. I can think of uh, violence, but it was all fantasy violence. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, do it's check a out that bit of gruesomeness. Yeah, check out that review, and you can find we'll we'll put a link to that in our show notes, which will be at areyoujustwatching dot com slash forty five. So, all right. Well, of course, the big thing that I think this movie was actually built as a way to promote an idea of what parenting is like. I think that the whole story was about parenting and they wrapped it in a sci-fi movie. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And I know that because on the DVD, there was a uh, little featurette called A Father's Legacy. 
And uh, at the very beginning of the father's father legacy, we hear, hear Will Smith in a voiceover. I think what was really powerful about this concept was to take something as simple as a father and son story and then start to lay in elements in this hugely extreme world, but something as simple as a father trying to command and control his son from a distance when at the end of the day, every parent knows once your child goes out of the house, you've either taught them already or you haven't. Every parent is really ciphered. You're legs are broken you're sitting at home while your kids are out in the world and as much as you want to do it for them you can't they have to do it on their own that's very true yeah and 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 you when you hear will smith say that it's like you you go back and look at the movie with a totally different light oh Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's why will wrote the story (laughs) i think he did a good job uh uh, communicating that as well Mm -hmm. uh Telling, making the story about the relationship between Cypher and Katai. Right. And we know that the the relationship prior to what goes on in this movie was not good. Because they set that up at the beginning. Very quickly, actually. I'm announcing my retirement. Retirement? Maybe I'll work with you. Turbine Division. (laughs) Together. I want my family back. I want you back. Unlike the father-son relationship and pursuit of happiness, which we discussed at length, um, Cypher is actually trying to rebuild his relationship with his family because in pursuit of happiness, it was a matter of keeping his son with him at all costs. Remember? Yep. Right. So he's trying to get his son back. (laughs) And he doesn't exactly know what he's doing. He, it, I was very happy with uh, how Will Smith played the character of Cipher Rage in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really communicated a lot of the angst, uh, the the frustration of being, uh, of trying to be the father where he's always been the general. Right. He treats his son like a soldier. Uh, yeah. That whole interaction at the the table, you know where. He makes his son say "sir" and and ask for permission to leave and all of that kind of stuff. is It's very much this interplay of commanding officer establishing authority, not so much a father figure communicating with a son. Yeah, and that uh, that uh, responsibility is something that I, I, all parents feel, and uh, mm-hmm. it's this high the high technology of the after Earth scenario allowed uh, Cipher to be almost uh, omnipresent when it came to being around um, Katai. <laughs> Suddenly yeah. I forgot his name. Yeah. In being fact, around Katai at, at the, uh, as he was moving towards the tail section of the ship. Right. In fact, there's a scene right before Katai leaves. So I will be able to see everything that you see and what you do not see. I will guide you. It'd be like I'm right there with you. And so... Yeah, he he actually promises him that he's going to watch him and guide him and be there right there with him through the whole quest. And a lot of parents really want to do that. I I mean, they have a name for it now, helicopter parenting, 
where they the parents are hovering around the child making sure every little thing goes the right way and uh it's, I know a few parents like that <laughs> <laughs> it it's uh very deceptive because you you really are never in that much control you They're, think you are <laughs> yeah it, you're just trying you're just uh holding what's it, it holding back the tide with a spoon right and, and, and do you think that that causes more rebellion in the kid i, I mean, think the, it does it yeah. absolutely it, but then uh you know i tend to i tend to think in the terms of the good old days as well and uh, I think about when my grandfather was raised and when my mother was raised and when I was raised and I compare them mentally in my mind. But um, there's a uh, there's a scene uh, very shortly after that quote where Katai is climbing the cliff and um, it puts his hand up and suddenly there's a big hairy spider on it. And he shakes uh -huh. his hand and, and stumbles and falls down a little bit on the cliff. And his dad didn't see it. Exactly. And and. Uh, Jaden, as Katai, does a good job communicating, oh, he can't see everything. Every... Yes. <laughs> I it, can it lie to him It does a good job about... setting up the rebellion mm -hmm. there. Right. Yeah. He says, I can lie to him about some things. And then he does try that later on, lying about not having enough of his um, air filter things. Exactly. Until his, his uh, dad actually requires him to show him the case, which was, uh-oh. <laughs> and that's how I catch my kids in most stuff. <laughs> now there is a scene and an, and it was actually right before the, um Cypher tries to call off the mission where uh Katai pro actually accuses him of never being there. And why were you? She called out for you. She called your name and you weren't there cuz you never there. This is kind of a link back to the situation where he was never there. You know, that mm -hmm. that whole setup at the beginning where he tells his wife he wants to retire to get his, his family back. Then Katai is now accusing him. You were never there when I was growing up. So. Rightfully so, it appears. Right, right. So we have an absentee father who's trying to pick up a relationship with his son and be there now when his son needs him. Yeah. And, you know, this, this uh, situation is particularly near and dear to my heart. Uh, as both my wife and I are vets, and we now live in Virginia Beach between Oceana Naval Air Station and Norfolk Naval um, Naval Base, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of military folks here, uh, particularly uh, a lot of people who had been deployed over the last ten years, mm. and it's it's a sacrifice that military families make a lot, yeah, and it is a huge sacrifice. And it's something that's very difficult to deal with. And it, the movie, I think, did a good job with that. It, Cypher was doing his duty. Mm -hmm. um, and his family, his relationship with his family may have suffered for it. Right. But he was the ghost. He was the person everybody looked to to train and all this other stuff so that they could survive. And so he was a very important person. And and that does come across, too, as well in the movie that um, – uh, Katai is really looking at his father as someone everybody else respects. So he you might does, say, you yeah. might say, Will Smith could say, "I am legend." Yeah. <laughs> da dun dun. <laughs> da dun <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. But when I watched this movie the very first time, the verse that popped into my head, and we got to bring this wrap this back to scripture, of course, was Proverbs twenty two six. I mean, it just jumped into my mind as soon as I finished watching the movie. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you know, the reason why that popped into my head was because the whole last quarter of the movie, Katai can't hear his father. Yes. And yet he hears his father. Because he had been trained in the way his father would think in certain situations. And when he needed that information, it was there. Exactly. And it's despite the difficulties that their relationship had, mm-hmm. um, they clearly had a good relationship as it was. And uh, I really liked some of the uh, some of the, the lines in this movie between father and son uh, where it it showed a, a playful nature between them, mm-hmm. even though Cypher is uh, as much as he is fearless, he he has trouble expressing uh, uh, humor the way that a normal person would. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one where he's going through the rainforest and uh, and his suit changes color. My suit's turned black. I like you, but I think it's something bad. And uh, it's the way he says that. It, I, I, uh, I like it, but it, it, but it's. I think it's something bad. <laughs> it's just so funny, and it's so quick. You almost don't catch it. It's like so much like a kid too. It's like, <laughs> oh, this is cool. <laughs> I thought that it's, that's my vote for best line in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's another scene where he gets where. Um, he did not follow directions and Katai is recovering from a poison. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing he does when he recovers is he reaches out and has a quick little dialogue with his dad. Hey, dad. Hey. That sucked. That is correct. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love uh, that. Is it? <laughs> And uh, Will Smith does such a good job delivering that last yeah. line. <laughs> you know, what's so funny about that to me is is that Will Smith, in so many of his roles, and it even appears when I watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff on the DVD, he is a character. He is always laughing, finding a joke, always <laughs> the humor that is around everything. And, and so much of his acting career has always been the humor. But in these two movies that we've discussed, Pursuit of Happiness, and especially this movie, he plays a really straight person who doesn't look for the joke and doesn't find humor and delivers lines like that and just that very, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it, it just, to me, it shows his versatility as an actor. You know, that he can yeah. he can pull off something like that. Well, he's definitely got his chops. And to think he started out, didn't he start out as a comedian? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Been a long time now. <laughs> yeah. the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah. Um, there was uh, uh, there was still strife though, mm-hmm. and uh, that strife uh, really it comes to a head uh, around an hour into the movie, where uh, Katai is yelling at his father through this communications link. What was your mistake? Trusting me? Depending on me, thinking that I could do this? And uh, when he's doing that. Um, you really get a sense for uh, not only the stress that Katai is under, but the stress that Katai is putting himself under trying to live up to the legend that his father is. Right. That's what, I mean, they're really big shoes to fill, and he's still quite a young kid. Yeah. So, I mean, I, to me, when they showed at the beginning, 
that he's running with all these older guys. It's like he's trying to become a ranger at a much younger age than obviously all the rest of the people in the program. Yeah, and and they make it a point to say that he does extremely well in the uh, in the classroom portion, but mm-hmm. falls apart in the field. Right, and I I liked that touch. Uh, I wish that they had highlighted a little bit more um, the mother's job as a uh, as an engineer. Mm-hmm. The very interesting thing about what you just said about him, uh, where Katai is. Uh, he he does well in his studies, but he freezes in the field. Um, we find out actually at the end of the movie, um, his, part of it is him hallucinating about his dead sister, that he is he was put in a box and watched his sister killed by these alien creatures that smell their fear. Right. Exactly, and the the he would, the box was this uh, uh, terrarium. Terrarium, right? And he was young enough at the time. He, he, he looked f- like he was actually about the age as the kid as he was when he filmed Pursuit, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was at, the actor who played him was another actor named Jaden. Ironically, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, he he the the because he was in the terrarium, the 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 alien creature couldn't smell him. And, exactly, and he never came out of that box. He's always living with that fear the rest of his life, and that figured into his inability to function in the field because he would freeze up because of that fear that he's never been able to get uh, get away with. Which this is like the second most important theme in this movie is the discussion of fear. It's yeah, precisely, and uh, fear it really is a very complicated subject when i was started looking at it biblically um <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> yeah the, 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 there's a lot to pull in there i i found it was very interesting kind of watching you work through your notes on that because i think i i perhaps maybe can play devil's advocate a little bit with that <laughs> topic <laughs> but we'll let you do your part first <laughs> okay all right all right <laughs> Now, now there's a little bit of a uh, tension here. We'll no, set up a no, no, competition. No, 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 not a tension. So fear, it, the way that I was approaching the question of fear is uh, in in the movie, fear is presented as the weakness of humanity against these uh, these alien creatures, these blind alien creatures mm-hmm. who who literally smell the pheromones that a person gives off when they're scared. Right. And uh, I started saying, well, let's grab some scripture about fear. And predominantly, the mass of scriptures that I came up with were all about fearing God. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that can't be a bad thing then, can it? (laughs) But uh, as I looked into it closer, uh, the uh, fear in the Bible is actually divided two ways, godly fear and ungodly fear. Mm-hmm. And godly fear makes a much larger uh, presence in the, uh, in the both scripture. in the Old Testament and in the instructions of uh, of the apostles mm-hmm. to uh, the churches and uh, as how to live a Christ like godly life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there were a couple uh, a, a couple places. Um, for instance, uh, Proverbs one seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, and I I, uh, I love that idea that that the fear of the Lord is where you where your starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Henry uh, 
does he did the very famous con commentary on the Bible. Uh, he calls the fear of God a holy dread and reverence. And the reverence part really sticks home to me because uh, one of the the things in this movie is uh, that there is a huge amount of respect uh, shown for General Cypher Rage and uh, and at the end of the movie for Katai. Um, and it it's that uh, that sort of uh, all and understand that lack of understanding and all like how did he do it. Mm-hmm. That it, that is um, more akin to the fear that we have in God. Now, God has judgment, mm-hmm. and we should certainly be scared of that. Right now, for me, uh, when when you when you started making your notes, I, I was kind of thinking it's like there's two different kinds of fear. I agree with you. I would say that fear is probably not the right word um, for. I think it's it's one of those situations where the English language doesn't have enough words. <laughs> like snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like there's degrees, there's different shadings of meaning and fear. It's like the fear that is is going on in the movie where it's the whole alien, you know, f- like you have written in our notes, the fight or flight fear mm-hmm. um, where they can smell panic. Um, that is, to me, a different kind of fear than the fear we're talking about when we're talking about God. Now, I agree, a sinner who goes to final judgment in front of God is probably going to have the fight or flight panic. <laughs> because Ain't no running from that. <laughs> yeah. But as Christians, those of us who are ordered by Scripture, as you have said in numerous places throughout Scripture, to fear God and keep his commandments and walk in his ways and all of these things, I think that's a different kind of fear. I, think, I can certainly, I can go with that. Yeah, I think like you said, like Matthew Henry said, a holy dread and reverence of God. I think that is, um, that is not panic. It's like that. that's completely different kind of fear. Um, it's, and like um, Cypher says in the movie. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity, Katar. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Fear is a choice. That's what Cypher says. It's like mm-hmm. you can choose to be afraid. And I think that especially fits in really well in our discussion of God. Because following God, following his instructions, is a choice. It's something that we are told to choose to do. So our fear and reverence of God should be a choice. Yeah, there's. Uh, I was trying to look it up real quick, but there's a, a definition of courage uh, where... It's doing the right thing, even despite the your personal fears. Um, it's I'll I'll find it and, and make sure it gets into the the, into the version the is in yeah. the in the show notes. And I think that's uh, I think that ties back to your point. Um, yeah, that uh, it's it it's in this movie. It's not fear, although they keep using that word. It's mm-hmm. panic. Right, and uh, as Christians. 
our hope, our trust is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, we may feel panic every once in a while, <laughs> but uh, uh, that's only when, you know, we've let our hope and trust slip. Right. Like uh, in the uh, the verse, Matthew ten twenty eight, it says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, that kind of fits with both of them. It's like, don't it's have pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, when, and we have to realize the Christians, uh, this was Christ speaking, but later on after he's gone, uh, and, and both where he gave himself for his sins and resurrected and went into heaven, he left behind Christians who were severely persecuted under Rome. Oh, yes. Uh, they were burned. They were covered with tar and burned as torches. They were uh, fed to lions. They, they were just horrible things, not to mention crucifixions and other really painful deaths. Um, this was a really good reminder to all Christians, especially like our brothers and sisters right now in, in uh, the Middle East, who are being horribly persecuted by Islam. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, this is a good reminder to us that this is this life that we have right now. It doesn't really matter who kills us or how we die because our soul belongs to Christ. Absolutely. There's uh, uh, a number of really good places to look to, to learn the stories of the martyrs. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Fox's book of martyrs, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's a couple hundred years old now. Right. Um, but, uh, it's made a huge impact and, um, a writer that, uh, that I follow, uh, Alton Gansky recently released a book, uh, 60 people who have changed the church mm-hmm. and, um, I'm only, you know, a 10th of the way in, into the book. So six people about, <laughs> um, but, uh, a number of them are, uh, martyrs mm-hmm. and, uh, and how they die is horrific, but they die with Christ on their minds and on their lips. Mm -hmm. And I think that is fascinating to me living in the United States where persecution is increasing here, but we can't claim persecution like brothers and sisters (laughs) around the rest of the world. I mean, we could say, we could say, oh, I lost my job or, oh, I, my business went under, oh, you know, horrible things like that. Oh yeah. We're not nearly facing the persecution. It could get worse if we don't stand up for our rights. Let, Let me say that. But yeah. At the same time, we have to always remember, like the scripture has told us in this verse, that um, we don't fear it. We should never have any fear for it, no matter how mortal our peril becomes in our persecution. We should never fear it because our fear is for God and him only, and he will take care of us. Yeah, it's. I've often wondered how I would handle that situation. Um uh, what was that book si- uh, series by Jenkins and LaHaye, LaHoy? Oh, yeah, the um, the Left Behind books. Yeah, the Left Behind books. That's right. Um, I, it's I, I can't really speak to the theology of the books because I'm, <laughs> you know I, I'm not really big in into uh, end times prophecy, but storytelling wise, they were uh, I enjoyed them, and uh, there are a number of scenes where the uh the characters are facing uh execution for being christians mm-hmm. and uh, i thought they did a good job writing those writing those out and uh, giving them both fear and faith right yeah it, and we have great examples we don't even have to look for to fiction for that so yeah exactly <laughs> one thing i wanted to comment we had said earlier um about the um about 
being panicked when we face a God at the end. There's actually a verse about that. It's Hebrews uh, 10, 31. It says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Uh, I think about that many times when I hear uh, atheists standing up and rejecting God and everything. And it's like, you, I'm, I fear for you, my friend, because in the final day, in the judgment, you're going to stand before God and you're going to be terrified by oh, him. Absolutely. And I, you, you think you're so flippant in your rejection of him now, but what are you going to do when you're face to face with him in judgment? It's it, for me as a science geek, it, it bothers me a lot when uh, people I admire in the science community, like Bill Nye, the science guy, come out and they have these debates and they say there is no God, there is no uh, intelligent design or creation. And I'm thinking, how can you be so smart and miss something so obvious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, and I mean, we won't hammer that horse to death anymore. <laughs> but I just wanted to, to mention that that is in scripture. I mean, it, it says that that is something to be afraid of, of coming to the end of your life and facing judgment. Um, it's, it's a fearful thing. Yeah. So, and, and it should be, I think even, even for us Christians, uh, I think, honestly, I think we're going to be scared when we get there. Mm -hmm. But our hope is not in our works. It's not in our performance. It's in the sanctification of Christ. Right. There's a there's a final verse I want to quote because I love this verse. It's one of my favorite. In Romans 8.15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Abba in, in this, this scripture in, in the Aramaic in which it was originally written means daddy. I mean, it's that intimate relationship not just the reverential relationship like we talked about in in this movie which katai has for his dad at the beginning of the movie but more of that intimate relationship he has with his dad at the end of the movie that's the spirit of of our relationship with god as christians absolutely and it's just we don't have to be afraid he's freed us from that we have an eternal father who's our daddy <laughs> has an intimate relationship with us. He cares about us. And unlike Cypher in this movie, he really is there with us every step of the way. And he doesn't not see the spider. <laughs> exactly. That was a double negative. <laughs> Sorry, all you grammar people out there. He doesn't not see the spider. Hmm. That means he does see the spider, which works. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um. Now, where there was a... Um, pretty blatant thing in the monologue of this movie. I've heard stories of Earth. A paradise. Until we destroyed it. It kind of sets this whole underlying idea that uh, what they're returning to in After Earth is a world that humanity destroyed. And that's why we had to abandon it. And... I don't know that that's that whole environmentalism idea that somehow what we're doing in in our culture is destroying the world and any right. god-fearing christian believes in the uh the mandate that god gave us to uh, have dominion over the earth and i don't think dominion means destroy i think dominion lives and means live in harmony and use properly 
Exactly. Um, it's um, the earth is shekels that we've been given to invest. Right. And I don't think um, that I t- personally, I think the environmentalism movement is a, a form of idolatry. It's putting, I agree. It's putting mother nature above God. And we should never do that. That it should never be an idol that we put before our faith and before our family and before our love for humanity. It's I I want to stress that there are people out there who definitely do that, but I don't think that the environmentalist movement as a whole could be viewed in that light. No, well, there's a the thing about the whole global warming. If if you look into it, uh, the movement is um, putting nature and the earth above the economy and above um, people's well-being. Uh, a lot of them want to, uh, like, for instance, quit using um, fossil fuels, where fossil fuels are necessary in some places. I mean, we have third world countries that need them because they're their only force of, source of power. Yeah, I, I get. I always get a kick out of that because yeah. they, they're like, uh, they don't think about the consequences of just suddenly stopping fossil fuels. Right. And then then there's the impact of where they're saying, well, you can't burn wood either. Well, there's some countries in the world, that's all they have to burn, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, I, but, you know, in their defense, it's not like you can grow more trees. Yeah, you can grow oh, more yeah, trees. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we don't need to get into that discussion here, but just needless to say, that is a very important part of this movie. And um, their vision of a future Earth, which is hostile to humans, which I think is interesting in the fact that if you leave something where you're not there, (laughs) there is no hostility towards you. It would be you're an unknown when you return. There's there's a line. Everything on this planet has evolved to kill you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Everything on this planet doesn't even know you. So (laughs) but they haven't even met me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of situations where mankind has gone into areas of the world that is not used to him being there. And the wildlife typically just run in fear. They don't know what to do with humanity when they've not been around them. Where they just ignore them. You know, it's like, what are you? Yeah. You know, so th- the whole idea that the whole planet is hostile to people because we destroyed it and left it. I, I-, I kind of thought that was weird. I'm going uh, to, I'd love to tie that into the scripture that you put in our notes. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to steal your thunder, but uh, <laughs> oh, I really sure, like, I really like this one. Uh, Genesis nine, two, mm-hmm. the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon every thing that creeps on the ground and the fish in the sea into your hand, they are delivered. And I really, I really like that because, uh, you know, I love nature walks and I'm always astonished, you know, how they fly away. Or, well, it, okay, the deer don't fly away. They run away. But They run away, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that is actually, um, that verse in the scripture comes right after uh, they get off the ark uh, in after the flood. And this is when the mandate is given, allowing humans to eat meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, uh, we were given the food, uh, the meat of vegetation to eat. And God, after after the flood, he gives us the mandate that we can then eat meat. And because we can eat meat, he'd put the fear into animals so that they would run away from us. Because self-preservation requires that if you're going to be hunted, you run away. <laughs> so um, there there is actually, it's not a mandate. He doesn't say you have to eat meat. He just allows us to eat meat after that. So 
Um, this kind of just an interesting thought that that's where the fear interacted between nature and man. Yeah. That's where it came from. Now, speaking of eating meat. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, no. Well, we actually, I don't know that many people eat whales. I think the whales were harvested mainly for their oil yeah. when, when uh, they were the, hunted. The blubber was converted into oil. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a big whale theme in this movie. Um, it's introduced by the book Moby Dick. I think it was the mother, wasn't it, that told... Um, yeah. That told Cypher that he that Katai was reading the book. Yeah, the mother's name is Fatia, and uh, she tells Cypher that uh, he started reading the book that uh, we find out later. Um, was given to Cypher by his daughter. Sinchi. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting because there's this um, great quote. I'm going to play it here. Did they really kill these whales? We, Sanchi, for their oil, and they almost disappeared just before the age of carbon fuels. So they, they actually make a point of really driving home the whole whale thing. <laughs> I think when I first read your notes, you were like, why are whales so important? <laughs> <laughs> In this, I was thinking a lot of the, uh, the what was it, Star Trek uh, oh, Star Trek Voyage Four. Home, uh-huh. yeah. where they have to save the whales. And I, I love that. Uh, I love that the whales are the go-to theme for environmentalist uh, conflict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the whales are this hyper-intelligent species or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, 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 the tie-in to Moby Dick here. I, I kept expecting an, a more obvious tie-in uh, about uh, Ahab and Moby Dick and the fact that the, the whale... The quest to get the whale is what destroys Ahab in the end, right? But uh, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really see that message in this movie at all. No, no, it actually wasn't there. In fact, I think Moby Dick and the whale theme was more of a a way to tie in uh, Sinshi uh, in into the story, and uh, because she ends yeah. up haunting them, and the it was very interesting to me. And I don't know whether you caught it at the end of the movie when they're leaving. Uh, the ships are taking them away. They dive down over the water and there's just whales everywhere. Yeah. Surfacing. And it, it's it's just kind of like the whales are still here. You it know? was like a prudential commercial or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so they it, it's definitely a theme through the movie. It's, it's a, a, I would say, I don't know that they were really trying to make a point. I think it was just something they were threading through. Um, for I, consistency's sake, maybe. Yeah, it's, I really took it, that last scene. I really took is just cinematography. They they wanted to uh, to show the abundance of life, and mm-hmm. the best way to do that was uh, it, you know they're flying over the ocean. So it, it, hey, whales, they're nice <laughs> and big. They can be seen from far away. Oh, look, flocks of birds. That'll mm-hmm. work. Yeah, and they showed right at the beginning when he first leaves the ship, and he comes up out on that that. Uh, top of the hill when he when he climbs the cliff and there's just buffalo everywhere yeah and, I, I forgot um, about that yeah it's just like this whole and that was the way the buffalo were because when you read some of the original uh like memoirs from from the trappers and traders mm-hmm. and, and explorers here in the in the new world when they first discovered it and started journeying west it was just abundant herds they said they just covered the the hills you would come over hill and there'd just be thousands of them nobody believed that they could possibly 
uh, even impact the the size of the herd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we did hunt them nearly to extinction, but the, thankfully they are coming back. Um, they've had a lot. Of, they're they're actually back enough. I think they're off the endangered list now. Um, I know that they actually sell buffalo meat now, so you can. Does that mean I can get one as a pet? <laughs> I don't think you want one as a pet. Have you ever been next to a buffalo? Uh, just at the uh, you know the nature parks and everything, but uh, I seem to remember they smell pretty bad. They smell pretty bad, and they're very big. <laughs> they're very big. We have a um, here where I live. There's a um, uh, a salt lick. Uh, it's a famous salt lick, and they they built a state park around it. And you can go there, and they have buffalo herds. A famous and, salt lick. Yeah, it's it's a big, massive area where there's salt, and the wildlife oh, used to come. I was and they actually you buy in the feed shop. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's natural salt lick, and it, okay. they have a lot of um, fossils there, and like of of dinosaurs and and buffalo and all kinds. I mean, okay. various mixtures of wildlife. Um, I think I think they have mammoth there too. I'm not positive, but anyway, they it's it's pretty famous, and they build a state park around it, and you can go there now. And they have a um, they have a herd a captive herd of buffalo that they keep at on the state park and they have them fenced in and you can walk right up to the fence and the buffalo will come up to the fence. That's cool. And so you can get within like arm's length of them and it's pretty amazing how big they are. I'll put some information about it into the show notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do want other people to talk about After Earth if they can give us feedback about the movie. Um, we'd love to see comments. Uh, we'd love to see comments. We did get, I did get a feedback from uh, somebody uh, commenting on our Bicentennial Man episode. Um, he, he made the comment he wished we would do more recent movies. He thought Bicentennial Man was too old. <laughs> so, well, it's, you had done it right after um, Robin Williams' death, right? Yeah, well, not right after. I got to it maybe a couple months later, but okay. it was, it, I, d- I picked that movie because it was of his death. And so. I, I replied and told him that I thanked him for his feedback and, and we were trying to, you know, reinvigorate the podcast and that <laughs> um, we I couldn't guarantee that we would always do current and recent movies, but we would keep that in mind. But this is a current movie. It's not that old. Um, it came out in 2013, so it's been only a year or so um, since it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um but we do want, we hope that other people have seen it. I did notice this movie got a lot of really bad reviews. So, yeah, it was panned pretty badly. Uh, it, I think Rotten Tomatoes, it, didn't they have it at like a 13% uh, splat? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it there's, if, if you do a, a Google search for After Earth, you'll find most of its negative commentaries. So we're mm. we're going to be a little different when we put this review out, discussing it from a Christian worldview instead of bashing it. So. Yeah, well, you know, it's we we are looking at it from a different uh, from a different perspective. We're looking at it for uh, story and message, and uh, it it's um, it helps to uh, to you know critically think about mm-hmm. what you're watching. Right. Uh, we're not we're not going in expecting to uh, you know just stuff popcorn in our mouths and uh, and <laughs> be entertained uh, and be entertained exactly. <laughs> right. Although you know popcorn, not a bad thing. No, no, that's actually a really it goes really well with movies. <laughs> it does. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, if we'd love your feedback. We'd love to know what you t- thought about the movie. And like I said, think critically. Talked about 
like the themes and and stuff. Don't just tell us whether you hated it or not. So, um, you could comment on the show notes, which again are areyoujustwatching.com slash forty five. Uh, you can also call us on our feedback line. That's nine zero three two three one two 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 one. Um, you can also email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com, and that's all of the words spelled out. You can get all of this information in our show notes again. So if, if you <laughs> don't have a pencil handy, go to our show notes, and you'll and you'll see all this information. Um, we would love audio file files. If you want to give feedback, we can actually play on the show. That would be wonderful. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Mine is uh, at Renchepley. That's R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. <laughs> and mine is uh, at uh, E. Franklin, just with no space. So, um, And then, of course, I really, really would wish uh, people would like us on Facebook and start following us there. We'll probably uh, announce uh, there first before we do anywhere else whether we get the nomination for the podcast awards. So do check us out on Facebook. And that is Are You Just Watching on Facebook. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that we are going to be doing more episodes than we did Yay! last year. <laughs> so as this, this is uh, the second month of the year and we're putting out our second episode and we're both intending to possibly see a movie that just started this open this weekend. And no, it's not the movie everybody's thinking about, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't yeah. think either of us are planning to see. No, that, um, that one's not on my list. <laughs> Ever. Um, we don't even need to see the, say the name of that movie. Um, but there's another movie that we're both thinking about going to see, and if we both see it in a timely manner, we might do an initial reaction for it. So keep an eye out for that. Be fun. It, yeah, the, the movie is called Old Fashioned, and it's a limited release, but thankfully we both are within reach of a theater that's playing it. So it should be good. Um, so uh, we really appreciate you listening to this whole episode, and we pray that you will come back and listen to us again. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, Visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx.